Self-destructing tactical cubes left and right, it's V'ger, please, a hateful voyage to the Delta Quadrant. My name is Joseph. And I'm your forgotten daydream love interest, Peter. Before we launch into this week's installment, I believe we have some critical housekeeping to do, Peter, on a number of fronts. Are you prepared to take a, a side quest with me? To unleash the bad news? Well, that's not all bad news. It starts with actually somebody taking up my challenge from a review of Unimatrix Zero Part One, which is explain why Tom Paris deserved to be promoted. And I cheated a little bit because I specifically asked Dr. Jack to weigh in since he's usually uh, provides such high quality ch- takes. He, he specifically listed here are the you know, here's the reasons why you would promote Harry Kim and here's the reasons why you promote uh, Tom Paris and for Harry Kim it was played clarinet until he played the saxophone <laughs> and then for Tom Paris best pilot in Starfleet master hologram programmer pool shark most qualified human medic on board soup connoisseur subspace geometry expert jail yard tough guy 20th century auto mechanic Irish pub brawler ate the last remnant of the Lusarian Empire former Maquis mercenary quantum warp theorist exposed Jonas as a traitor mated with the space elf shuttle crash survivor led Talaxians against the Kazon escape and evasion specialist convicted murderer convicted terrorist convicted drug dealer life coach impassioned oceanographer flight control officer graduated in astrophysics got a pulled a gat on on q and the board queen accomplished navigator dorada champion skilled klingon sex therapist eco terrorist radiogenic sweepstakes coordinator spacecraft designer brazen test pilot wizard talaxian geography plucky resistance fighter professional mountain climber hyper evolved lizard gigolo early sci-fi movie serial super fan wooer of the Lainey sisters and far superior to nick Licardo. and that reminded me of course as jack is eloquently putting the reason you promote tom paris is he's a fucking mary sue that does everything <laughs> The definition of Mary Sue. Move over, Wesley. He didn't even mention anything about um, Mars knowledge. Yeah, uh, random Mars mission knowledge. There's so many missed opportunities here. Expert grease monkey. No, that's on there. 20th century auto mechanic. Oh, uh, well. Hmm. Fort Knox enthusiast. That's true. Not on here. Mm-hmm. A lot of those got to get cut off the list because they happened uh, prior to Tom's demotion and he should not be promoted for past deeds prior to his transgressions. Uh, what's next on the list? There was a trailer for a show. Uh, they going to cost us listeners already right in the <laughs> fucking beginning of season seven, man. They they call it Picard season two. I'm not quite sure what who this character is. We're not quite sure who this character is because we watched this series <laughs> season one managed to crush our own listenership by hating it as much as we did and here we are flirting yet again with our our numbers we'll say only this i'm gonna say only this you, you i know we both watched it you quite hesitantly if they hadn't already crushed all my goodwill and john delance that gets me man q q's back i want to i want to want it i do i want to want it do you I do. I do want to want it. But going into a trailer where the first thing Q does is say, Picard, you look old and crusty while he's there looking old and crusty. Here's here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say it. Okay. 
this shit's 10 years too late. These guys are too old for this. Yeah, agreed. Uh, and and there might be other impacts on quality and executive producer decisions that were made. But like. I feel like this is just too late in the game. Um, 10 years too late is exactly correct. If this had been done in 2011. It would be it would be a different show. There'd be a different energy to it. And you would not feel like everyone is just past their their fucking buy date. You know, like it feels sad. <clears throat> it feels very pandering. It feels like, oh, shit. Uh, Discovery has really put us in the fucking hole. Hit smash the glass and pull the handle. And let's sit on the Star Trek ship posting Facebook group and whatever people seem to gravitate towards. Let's try and jam into this thing because we need eyeballs on this fucking franchise. Um, and let me just say for the record too, like I think fuck Q <laughs> people make such a big deal over Q Q is this there's Star Trek episodes and then there's Star Trek episodes with Q. It's like they almost don't exist in the same universe in terms of scope of, of what the plots do and the power curve. And it's hard to say that because the very first next gen episode is a Q episode all good things is a Q episode. It's not some random fluke. It's it's not a threshold, right? Like this is a part of Star Trek, but you know, people gravitating towards it. Like he's only been in a handful of episodes, like what, less than 10. He's certainly not as big a figure as, as his presence seems to suggest. Barkley's in more stuff. It's true. However, I think you you summed it up by saying TMG, the most beloved Trek, uh, the most beloved Trek installment is essentially bookended by him. And he's used effective most effectively in those two uh, appearances, exactly, which is to say and, and also when the, the first episode of the Borg introduced, which is he is beyond what Starfleet can presently understand. And that's the point, because he is deciding to test humanity and Starfleet. And their ambition to go beyond where it is that they are now. And those episodes, I think, fit into Trek really well. And the fact that he represents this sort of not not like full on trickster spirit, but also something so beyond what they are. He's, he's just extremely arrogant, but also has a purpose that he's not doing this for no reason. Uh, that uh, that really, I think connects with people and watches why they really like you. It's why I really like you. Now, of course you and I have suffered through some real Q related bullshit watching Voyager, which is, I think is maybe uh, soured us to the concept overall, but try and just confine it to the context of TNG, which I think a lot of people have experienced Q in that way. He's much more interesting. Well, I don't think it should be the focal point and something people get as, <clears throat> I don't know. I just I don't give a fuck, man. I, I'm I'm over Picard. I am too. I'm uh, I'm not gonna watch it, and quite frankly, my my take on it is same as Discovery. I hope you guys like it. It's yes. not for me. Yeah, uh, I do genuinely hope that anybody who is putting the time in there is able to get what they want out of the experience and that it's able to make you happy. And experiences that will make us happy will also include letting our folks know our listeners there comes a bad news everybody <laughs> of what we're doing after we're done with Voyager. so here we are we're season seven we're gonna we're gonna fire off our first season seven review here in a minute or two so we're getting to the end man like 
really 26 episodes to go and that's it. We're done. And of course the question that's going to be on the mind of well, at least a couple hundred people is what are you going to do next? And if you didn't listen to our rep or, or uh, for season six, or at least through all of it, you may not have heard, we will be continuing doing a podcast. We're going to do a new show after this. It is going to be another Trek review show and it is going to be on the truly forgotten great Berman era Trek entry. You have that, and that dun, is dun, dun, uh, thing ready to go. I, I'll, I'll put it in post. Don't <laughs> worry. Uh, Star Trek Enterprise. So I am a huge fan of this show. I think it is horrifically underwatched. I think that it just came after Voyager and really like left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. It was very different. There were some things that were a little off-putting about it. And because of that, I think a lot of people missed on what might secretly have been a great uh, show. And at the same time, though, one with enough bullshit going on that's going to make, I think, for a, a fun and engaging review podcast experience for both Peter and I to produce and for you to listen to. I've so, never watched Enterprise. More importantly, I have never, ever wanted to watch Enterprise. <laughs> uh, I have no warm place in my heart for this, and I am ready to give these motherfuckers both barrels. So. Oh, there'll be times where you'll need probably four more barrels on top of that. There's some Dumbo slayers. Oh, yeah. You're going to need some four gauge stopping rifles. In the absence of that, though, we will uh, endeavor to provide the highs and the lows and call the shots uh, appropriately. And we will provide more details on what that show will look like when it will come out, what it will be called, all that stuff later on but we just want to make sure everyone you half knew. a year 26 yeah. that's 26 weeks of uh recording not counting whatever else comes up yeah breaks or Christmas stuff, break. all that so you know this is probably a early spring 2022 proposition to be honest with everybody uh but it's happening and uh, peter and i are are in to do that so don't worry we won't leave you hanging but uh first things first peter what did we watch this week speaking of hanging these cliffhangers <clears throat> season seven episode one unimatrix zero part two joe i want you to go back in time for me to october 4th in the year 2000 okay i'm 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 there uh i'm probably working at a discount movie theater at the forest fair mall go on I, I guess we should probably jump back to wherever Unimatrix Zero uh, premiered. Like it, it was a shock ending, right? Like the the plan to go in and try and introduce this virus to help Borg rebels, ending with Janeway getting assimilated. I think it was pretty clear from Chakotay's actions on the bridge that this was an intentional assimilation, and this is part of the plan. Do you remember where Unimatrix Zero Part 1 left you feeling as a fan way back in the year 2000? Everyone knew that Voyager was going to end after seven seasons. That was published in known news. Uh, Brandon Brandon Braga is no longer the showrunner for season seven because he's pre-producing on Enterprise. Like, what Enterprise is going to be about is already getting into the news. OK, so it's not like there was any tension of like, oh, like what's going to happen uh, when the next season starts? Of course, like our heroes will survive. Right. I, I don't think I felt a second of of any kind of actual uh, 
um, tension over where this was left. Um, by the way, have, have you have a guess as to who the showrunner is now for no. season seven? Who'd they? Oh, is it going to be uh, your friend and mine, Kenneth Bewilder? Kenneth Bewilder, baby. <clears throat> season seven is his baby. And there are some bewilders. There's some some it some random thoughts <laughs> that are before <laughs> us. A season of bewilderment. Yes. Um, not. I will say. You know, we have a lot to look forward to. Um, Kenneth delivers in many ways here, in ways that maybe uh, Braga was a little uneven, to say the least. Season six, season five, season I think sucks. We we season five had enough high points that we kind of forgave its low points. Season six did not <laughs> have those, did not have timeless in it, and therefore did not get the same <laughs> level of forgiveness. Uh, yeah. So no. yeah, I remember like okay, whatever. This will probably get resolved uh, in the fall. So. I'll watch that then. So it there did. was no suspension of disbelief that, hey, maybe Janeway and company is not going to make it through this uh, Borg assimilation unscathed. Yeah, like, and it's funny, I probably, I don't know if it was weird that I didn't think that considering some triggers did get pulled in DS9. Like, so like characters died in that, didn't make it. Um so maybe I sh- that should have been something on my mind, but it just wasn't. Janeway's turn to camera assimilated. You know, they're trying to tap that best of both worlds card. They are. Right? And I think maybe that the fact that they were hitting that pipe a little hard right in front of you is maybe why I didn't care. You know, I'm a jaded teenager at this point, man. Like my my hackles are up. I'm not buying <laughs> it. You know, I don't have that wide eyed wonder. And I was watching TNG on a on a, uh, a frizzy tube <clears throat> TV trying to get get my UHF channel where, where I could, I could find it. Well, I mean, again, you know, I think in next gen, they killed Tasha. Um, Riker as a reluctant captain certainly felt feasible. Like maybe they were going to write Patrick Stewart off. Like there was a real chance that geez, you know, these Borg are no fucking joke. Like what are they going to do? Like there's a chance uh, but unfortunately for the viewers at home here in October 4th of the year 2000, the Borg are a fucking joke. They really are. <laughs> uh, they are clowns and they are in a very sad state of affairs. So, uh, yeah, where we left off in Unimatrix part one, very clearly we're just going to ice skate their way through whatever's happening over there. And and we're going to be right back to homeostasis before we bag on this one too hard. Couple nice things to say. One smoothie. This, this episode moves. There's not a lot of wasted time aside from a extremely uh, poor romance subplot that we already fucking hacked a bits two fucking weeks ago. Yuck. Yes. Yeah. Like terrible. I'm not going to waste too much more time complaining about it because we already did. Aside from that, though, it's got a lot of a lot of meat, no fat. You know, they're they've got the story and they're telling it and it felt like it moved. I liked the concept of the the makeup looked good for the the borgified uh, Voyager members, especially on Bolana. Like hers was really cool. The way that the Bor- the borgified Klingon look. I like it. It was a nice mix. Let's talk about that real quick because we did get a little glimpse of it at the end of the, the other one. I am so sad that nobody got their arm cut off and replaced with like a Borg dildo arm. 
right? Like how no lucky... pizza cutter arms. <laughs> <laughs> how lucky of everybody involved that they just got some crap glued on their face, put in their Borg pajamas, and uh, you know, since these are main cast members, they also actually got a vest. You know, they're not just in the skin tight Borg um, wetsuit. I I don't get it. The Borg looked so simple but good in next gen with the white cake makeup and tubes everywhere. They looked fucking terrifying in first contact. And just every time we see the Borg in Voyager, I think the costumes just fucking suck, man. The people who play Borg, they get dudes that just move silly and dumb like the one yeah, they sit like they're extras in a fucking devo music video yes yeah perfect way to put it yeah it, it's awful the whole experience is awful queen looks good you know they're reusing the costume from first I, I honestly do think that Bolana's exact look worked really well because of the way they did everything from the shoulders up and and that's where the camera was focused for her. So I didn't like focus on the like vest kind of crappy bodysuit, but the everything going on here and the fact that she had the weird voice thing yeah. <laughs> installed. That was good. That was good. Like that, that piece Joe, was good. Was that good? Or is that just Roxanne Dawson's good? And she made it work. You know, she can make hard the, to know the difference. <laughs> she can make the Balana headpiece work as well as she does. Maybe she can just make this fucking shitty uh year 2000 borg crap roxanne dawson is such a good actress that she made us forget that her eyebrows weren't real <laughs> i mean there you have it just never crossed my mind this weren't real did she ever good get job. an oscar for that <laughs> an emmy it would be an emmy <laughs> you know it's tv come on man well listen i would say that the the, the lifting she does there transcends the small screen to the silver screen so we open up with, uh, and this is the only time I'm going to say it, a pretty cool interior shot of the Borg cube that they are on. Um, we're panning through some catwalks. For the first time in a long time, a cube has felt menacing and sinister and busy. Um, drones walking around everywhere. Sadly, the closer we zoom in, the more and more laser tag arena things devolve into... <laughs> You can almost hear Darudi's sandstorm in the background. Mm -hmm. And eventually we find our uh, stranded crewmates. It's Tuvok and it's uh, Balana. And they're just talking to themselves, each other, and their their normal talky voices with their mouths moving. The vile curse of assimilation, scourge of the Federation, has now been completely shithoused by the Voyager crew member as... They've just gotten assimilated with no fucks to give. Apparently, the doctor is so good at his job, he has found a way to defeat assimilation. Evidently, it is supposed to be temporary and, as we will find, also not perfect, uh, but also pretty amazing that uh, they managed to find an antidote to getting assimilated. <laughs> this is the Voyager OP stuff I was talking about, uh, about a few weeks ago. Like, this episode is just filled with Voyager just being a little too fucking cool for their own good in terms of clowning on the Borg and kind of making them feel trivial. It, 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 to remind everybody, 
the cube that our heroes are stuck on and that will ultimately kind of be the the major kind of set piece for the episode is not like a normal board cube you know the kind of board cube that's capable of devastating earth's you know of all of the federation's starfleet even in you know the current era the post uh uh, uh, Wolf 359 era after they've developed all kinds of new ships and anti-Borg weaponry and quantum torpedoes, right? Like one Borg cube is still good enough to like press them to the limit. This is a tactical cube with cube armor and Voyager is by their fuck self and they fight them successfully twice. twice. <laughs> Two times. They help the second time. A little bit of help. We'll talk about that, but still twice they go, they go up and they just don't get absolutely like smacked down. Insane. Here's what I need. I need for these guys not to be Borg. I need two strains of Borg. I need scary, badass Borg from next gen and first contact. And I need those Borg to have been eradicated with the death of the queen. And I need Buster Borgs. I need BBs. I need proto Borg, Borg's simple yet friendly cousins, the Morg. Just just something to recalibrate the power scale here. So as you've just illustrated, one Federation deep space research vessel uh, doesn't seem so absurd. It's going the distance. Like speaking of the queen, can we discuss the queen? Like as a concept in Trek, just real quick. Okay, so when you say the queen, I think a a person who is in charge at the top who may or may not have died in first contact. The queen's supposed to be dead by now, and here she is. And I had posited the theory that the queen is not specifically linked to like one specific form, but is a gestalt representation of the consciousness that can form literally at any place and be given a form and a body to inhabit based on wherever it wants to manifest. Right. Which sure. would, which would beat the idea that you could really kill it. You're really just Cerberus. Yes. It, it, it's a beast with many heads and it will just simply grow into another one. I read all of the available material from the writers about what the Borg Queen is supposed to be. And evidently, and this is according to uh, Ron Moore, uh, who wrote the Queen with Braga for first contact. Okay. The intention was that she was a literal person. Like this is a person. They were assimilated. And this person was so talented at sifting through the voices of the of the collective that they rose to become its queen. So this is a person. Was a person. And to be right. clear, the battle of uh zero sector zero zero one that took place in twenty three seventy three and uh Unimatrix Zero Part Two takes place in twenty three seventy seven. So that's what, four years later? Right. Okay. The queen has died. And the collective has now decided that before the queen was kind of a, a fluke and an exploit, but it had a good use. So now we're going to promote a new queen. 
it's it, you, what led me to think that it was the Gestalt thing was the concept from First Contact because she specifically says in that movie because Picard feels like she he's met her before on the on the cube that was destroyed at Wolf three five nine or mm-hmm. after Wolf three five nine, and it's like how would you still be alive? And he's like you 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 think in three dimensions, so there's like oh okay so like this transcends consciousness space time and all that no. Apparently the writers did not intend that. This was actually a specific person. And the dialogue in this episode, the reason I bring it up, is the dialogue in this episode that the Queen has with the kid in Unimatrix Zero suggests she's a specific person that was assimilated. Yeah. Which does not make sense. No, it doesn't. It's stupid. And and we're we're gonna teleplay by Bran Braga, Joe Manowski, store by Mike Sussman, Bran Brana, Joe Manowski. I mean the Borg should have been retired a long time ago. They have not been. They're milking it for all it's worth because I think these Borg episodes are the best way that Voyager showrunners have to dig the fans out from underneath their rocks and put eyeballs on screens. It's a it's an emergency maneuver. It doesn't make sense. I think the lady they've got portraying her continues to do as good of a job as the bad set pieces around her allow. Um, and again, if it was the morgue or the dorg or anybody else and she was her leader, I'd say this is this is great. But, you know, she's just a queen over the. The very awful Borg left behind and the whole thing uh, feels bad, man. <laughs> what also feels bad is that. Tom and, and Chakotay are still on Voyager trying to make the world's worst seeming mission work, which is that they have purposefully allowed Janeway, Tuvok and Torres to all be assimilated so they can infiltrate a super cube to upload a virus that is going to allow all of the drones that have the mutation and allow them access Unimatrix Zero to retain those memories and start a a, re, a, a a revolution, a rebellion against the collective itself by being able to retain their individuality. A neat idea, as we said two weeks ago. And I I do believe that where this episode works, it is in exploring the concept of this subsection of drones being able to retain their personalities and trying to fight the collective from within. Um, I will say that the plan... I don't like the fact that they kind of shrug off assimilation and it's no big deal now, but uh, the doctor having seven of nine there to kind of help him cheat the system does ease things on that. Now, this whole cockamamie scheme boiling down to Janeway wants to create strife and harm the collective, right? Correct. Which is a legit Starfleet move. In the blind, absolutely. 100% 100% worth it. The Chave directive is destroy the Borg at all costs, John Luke. You know, no more of this Hugh Mercy bullshit. You got a chance to deal a killing blow, you do it. Now, this does not compute with Voyager because Janeway has single handedly spared the Borg's lives at least twice, if not three times. And okay, so we want to fuck the Borg up and introduce a virus. Great, cool. Hey, we've got. No less than, I believe, three bioweapons, 
Three. Three. The one that... well, let's, let's go through it. There's the Tron Turds virus well, that uh, creates the the multiple personality disharmony explosion, right? Well, there's the two there's the two actual bioweapons, one from the Tron Turds, one from uh, uh, Crowley. Crowley and his wife. Uh, the other bioweapon is species 8472 themselves, who are essentially a bioweapon onto them their own mm-hmm. uh, that were shithousing all of the, the collective. That, Ooh, they've got uh, really swell relations with at this point. Yeah, they're just buddies now, right? Mm-hmm. They're able to have a nice normal conversation. But, and, you know, at the time, cats got bad fifis from one of their Marines. So, uh, you know, they had to strike a deal with the entire collective to do their dirty work for them. So between the Tron Turbs and <clears throat> Echeb specifically, you've got two like we can fuck everything up real hard right now, uh, bioweapons to deploy, but they they want to go through. Um, I don't know, Borg Lives Matters protests to try and destabilize <laughs> the collective and cause strife that way, which is is already a head scratcher and it's just going to get. Uh, scratched even more the deeper we go into this thing. Uh, uh, one one thread I liked on Voyager during this episode is uh, Tom, thanks to the fact he was given a unworthy promotion a few hours earlier, is back to now being the the uh, the next in line uh, to command the vessel since Tuvok's off the ship, and uh, so he is now Chakotay's first officer. And he brings it up like, hey, bud, guess what? Everybody else is gone. So uh, you stuck with me and your plan sucks. I hate it. My girlfriend's in trouble. <laughs> it's awful. <laughs> like they have a conversation that reminds me of uh, a lot of like earlier season uh, stuff. I think mostly season one, season two, when uh, new Jack Neelix and Captain Tom were attempting to negotiate on behalf of the ship. Remember that? Mm-hmm. And that sort of thing. Like there was a lot of these like flashes of Tom in a position of authority, kind of not giving enough of a fuck yet, like trying to treat it seriously that uh, had a lot of promise that they never really delivered on. Like get a little mm-hmm. bit of it here. Get a little bit like, yeah, Tom's back in the mix now. He's not instant Tom anymore. He's Lieutenant junior grade Tom, you know, and he's uh, he's going to say what he wants. Cause, you know, he he is the jail. He is the uh, the jail yard bully. Chakotay says, yeah, listen, uh, I get what you're talking about here, but uh, we're going to give the plan time to bear fruition, uh, which is foolish because it is such a suicide mission that the notion that they would still be together and and recoverable hours past the first intended communication point is kind of silly. But uh, Voyager certainly has had better luck in rougher spots. We start flipping into Unimatrix Zero. And getting into the real low points of this episode, which is Seven of Nine exploring her feelings for her summer boyfriend. Barf. So bad. You got a Klingon general in there who's like trying to be an intermediary and follow your feelings and all this other crap. And I I just can't watch any of this stuff without actively wishing that it was her struggling to deal with uh the remnants of a relationship with her father and all the great story that there could have been to tell there. And instead we're getting dragged into this fucking summer fling deal. Yeah. Uh, instead this of time- Magnus Hansen, it's seven of nine having to deal with her leftover emotions of a dirty con hookup from five years ago. 
And then you, know, you start like, dragging in the doctor <laughs> and all of a sudden the doctor is back in his I love you mode and wistfully looking over his shoulder. And it's like, listen, dude, I seem to recall back in season sucks. You're ready to bail on her and go wear your clown outfit and sing for the asshole people of <laughs> the, tiny, uh, the tiny assholes Komar or whatever. So like you can take your your puppy dog guys for seven of nine and shove them up your holographic ass like. Just you, you do get a good shot of uh, Korok, the Klingon, who will become MVP of this episode shortly uh, with a Herogen who had been apparently assimilated along the line, yeah. <laughs> which is like, oh, yeah, I guess that probably happened. Right. Like a Herogen sure. probably got got by the Borg somewhere. I mean, what a great find those Herogen. Excellent breeding stock. I wanted to see some fucking Vidians up in there, man. How good would that have been? Oh, yeah. Like see a Vidian, but they're like. In Unimatrix Zero, they're not all fucked up. We're in season seven. This is the home stretch. What an opportunity for them to have rolled out every fucking unique species they've introduced from shitheads to the Cleveland Bromar, uh, Vidians, Skeevians, you name it. Like if we encountered it, Kazon. Well, no, not Kazon. Trust me when I say they availed themselves of the opportunity to actually do exactly what you're talking about. It just won't be this week. Well, good, because I I would like to see the old faces one last time before we get through. Oh, all you of will. This. Like, so Voyager has an episode in season seven that is a clip show, but a good one because it's not actually a clip show. It's very well executed. Cool. I'll, I'll leave it at that. When we get there, you'll know. Cool. Instead, I'm stuck in Unimatrix Zero um, dealing with 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 the leftovers of Seven's old life. The, the big plot line on the cube is that while apparently Janeway and Torres are fine resisting uh, assimilation, given the doctor's uh, anti-Borg juice, uh, Tuvok's not so lucky. His despite being the men, most mentally disciplined out of the trio or you know, one would assume uh, he is starting to fall prey to the whispers of the collective and they are on the clock to try and upload this virus to the central plexus of the supercube. Super because if they can get it into the central plexus, it will allow all of the drones to free themselves and start their rebellion. Hey, Joe, by any chance is the central plexus another cheap Spencer's gifts doodad? <laughs> By by George, is it a plasticky piece of shit? Yes, it is. I mean, come on, man. Like, so the central plexus in this is like one of those mirrors with little LED dot lights, and it does the trick where there's another mirror behind it, and it creates infinity dots, which looks cool when you're in a mall looking and, at it and next you're to plastic poop. <laughs> When you're trying to parade this thing that's very clearly an off-the-shelf retail um, toy a- as the epitome of Borg technology, like... I, it's, not, it's not good, guys. <laughs> it's not good. No. It looks perfectly at home in the laser tag arena that is a Borg tactical cube. So uh, the the big revelation is while Torres is able to upload the virus once they do get to the plexus while time is ticking uh tuvok 
trying to like focus his mind, remember his kids, remember where he was born. <laughs> it eventually fails him and he subsumes into the collective. And that is when we find out that apparently uh, Tuvok underwent tactical training from Chakotay himself. Did you know that? Because he just gives Torres this backhand that literally knocks her out of the episode for 30 minutes. Like, <laughs> I don't know how else to describe it. Like, so he goes rogue. I'm now a Borg. I'm going to stop you all. Janeway and Torres try to escape. He like corners Torres and Torres tries to get away. And he just like rips a backhand right across her face. And then Torres is just not in the episode after falling out of frame. He backhands her so hard. You hear the $6 million man. No, 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 no. And he blasts her. <laughs> it's, it's, they, they have her go down from this massive backhand. And you're like, what happened to Torres? And then that, the question is not answered until she just shows back up in the last eight minutes. Like, uh, I'm going to press up some computer buttons so we can get out of here. Like, where were you? Did they capture you? Did they do things? We Have don't you been know. Hiding in the vent. Hide, yeah. Like, were you doing some fucking solid snake shit? She's like, all you here? need to know is that I don't get along with AI and for all intents and purposes, Borg are like AI. So they victimized me. And I was down for the count. Um, Tuvok's like, doing just this. like slapped her, and then they just left her there. Like, <laughs> yeah, job's done. Knock <laughs> like, the fuck out on the hallway. People are stepping over, or stepping on her hair. Sorry, I need to go rent regenerate. <laughs> Tuvok's trying to do this thing where he's sitting there and like remembering details about his past to help him hold on to his identity. Uh, and he's remembering where his kid's born and where he's born and the first ship he served on and this and that. Um, also, he's apparently remembering all of his security access codes from work. <laughs> because as we will eventually... Jesus fucking Christ, Peter. This is the stupidest thing I think I've seen <laughs> anybody in start. Hey, guys, you're going to go off on this kamikaze, really suicidal mission for some real dubious reasons. We all know how dangerous it is. Uh, we're going to send you off. You're going to go to the collective and we know you're going to get assimilated. And we've got like some, um, I don't know, a piece of Velveeta cheese we're laying over your forehead that's supposed to staff off the assimilation. But it might not work. It's so dangerous. Ooh, hey, um, we're in the Delta Flyer flying away from the 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 Voyager on the beginning of this me like mission. And do you think Tuvok's like patting his pockets down looking for his keys? He's like, what I forget? What if? Oh, shit. I forgot to change all the codes. I just I I'm at a loss, right? Like, let's create this incredibly detailed and intricate plan. We're going to allow ourselves be to be to captured by a race of cyber zombies whose main identifying well-known trait is that they're going to force your brain into their collective brain and know all of the things that you know. Like, there's so many things we don't know about the Borg, but the one thing, the one fucking thing that we know for sure that they know how to do, and they're really good at it, is taking your brain putting it into their collective consciousness and then using anything you knew against you. That is the very first thing that you ever establish about the Borg in 
all of Trek. It's the one thing the Federation knows without a doubt. You come up with this plan and then no one thinks to themselves, what should we, maybe we should change the locks just in case one of them gets captured because then they'll know our like shield frequency. That would be bad, Joe, right? You wouldn't want that. Do you remember so, that time the Borg assimilated Jean-Luc Picard and they had Lacutus aboard? Yeah, and they like wrecked all the ships his because he knew about three five nine and like he just fucked him. Too bad Janeway didn't know about that. Yeah, (laughs) she must have missed that memo. It's a shame no one on Voyager reads. (laughs) 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 They have to they have to take their hooked on phonics classes. They're way behind on reading comprehension. Henceforth, there shall be no more interactions with Fairhaven. Everybody must instead read a book. (laughs) Um. So. Chakotay decides, hey, we're going to swing by and we're going to see what's up with this cube. Tom, you want to get on board? Yeah, cool. We fly in there. Hey, they shot one photon torpedo at us instead of just blasting us with like, you know, everything a tactical cube's got. And it ripped through our shield and it blew up. Oh, my God. They've got our codes. How could we not remember to change our codes? Insert the past 15 minutes of joking around about how bad Tuvok is. Get us out of here. All right, we're out. Yeah, like somehow, somehow this tactical cube is not able to take advantage of the fact that Voyager is literally defenseless and immediately destroy them and instead allows them to simply escape with, uh, you know, a little scorcher on the saucer section. No I got to buff deal. that out. No I'm buff deal. that out. It's fine. A little ding. Yeah. Uh, they they Jane... suffered worse. <laughs> Janeway's captured. She gets stuck in a prolonged phone call with the board queen where the queen's like hey but she gets a cool zoom background so they don't have to keep (laughs) that fucking makeup every day (laughs) like that's too much effort and i'm the star of the show i will not be wearing that makeup i will instead be in my starfleet uniform Mm -hmm. thank you very much turtleneck you're gonna help me uh or else and then the or else is is quite a doozy yeah, so the virus worked. We should make that clear. Like, the queen starts to panic. Like, I can't feel people. This is weird. And not one, not ten, not fifty. Oh, thousands. thousands. I feel so bad for that one dude who, like, comes out of the dream working right next to the queen. Like, what? Ooh. <laughs> Could Fuck. you imagine? Can you imagine? Like, finally, our liberation is at hand. I must establish. And you, like, look over and there's the boss. You're like, fuck. <laughs> like, ah! like, couldn't couldn't be anywhere else. Should have taken that drugs. blue could... pill, dude. That's a what a fuck you, man. That is, wow. What are, what are the odds? What are the odds? <laughs> it's one in how many million drones? Trillions. Have trillions of drones yeah one in a million uh drones there's trillions of drones overall whatever <sighs> doesn't matter you're that guy who's like she's right behind me is it she <laughs> damn it so he gets killed and then his body gets dragged in front of janeway and she's like look at what you've done janeway you've you're responsible his blood's on your hand and you know i can't stop this rebellion so i've got this dastardly plan where i'm going to start taking all of these innocent, happy, peaceful cubes and spheres and tactical <laughs> cubes. And there's one drone I can't detect, but I don't know which one it is. So I'm going to blow the whole cube up. And then Janeway's like, <gasps> clutching her pearls. You monster. My, my God, you monster. 
here I am trying to create a fucking insurrection in the Borg collective and, and try to take down Starfleet's mortal enemies and you're blowing up entire fucking cubes and suddenly I give a shit like what hard stop what right why would why would Janeway greet that with anything but glee like so you mean to tell me that my plan is so awesome and is working so well and as you so freaked out that you are just freely exploding your own cubes to destroy that brought us to our knees twice yeah Yeah. A, a single cube again a super weapon onto which it requires maximum effort for us to defeat you are just going to start blowing up willy-nilly because there's three drones on it you can't detect and your intention is to blow up every board ship that has a drone you can't detect on it within the course of this conversation that is approximately 68 seconds you've blown up four craft totaling <laughs> millions of drones destroyed like what this needed was Janeway like looking in horror with her mouth agape like oh my god no and like this cut to like her looking at the camera like holy fucking shit is this queen this fucking stupid (laughs) oh my god forget about the virus if I just sit there and go no no and just blowing more and more cubes up you must yeah just like keep selling oh god no Please don't do the tactical cubes closest to. Yeah. Oh, no. oh no! All ten of those spheres. No, you have to spare them. You no. have specifically those ten spheres. That was my favorite sphere. No. <laughs> like what the fuck? You know. Now, had this been the morgue, the lovable, simple-minded, <laughs> simple Borg, yeah. Uh, you know, golden-hearted cousins of the Borg. The ones you could feel sorry about that that weren't really scary. You could just slap fight your way out of any encounter with them and clown easily with one starship. Then I could understand Jamie being like, no, come on. The morgue aren't that big of a problem. But the Borg, which I uh, these are the Borg, right? I mean, I'm, they I'm, are they're acting <laughs> they like are. morgue, but right. I think these are actually Borg. You know, the ones that like um, assimilated. Uh, God, what was his name? The fucking one we loved. And he gets him with the the, the honeypot starship and the surprise bitch. You actually got my entire civilization. It was uh, Robocop guy. No, no, it wasn't Robocop guy. Yes, that was... that's Robocop guy. Ray Wise. Ray Wise isn't isn't um, Robocop guy. Yes, he is. Is Ray Wise in Robocop? Robocop I mean, that... He's one of he's one of fucking Boddicker's henchmen, dude. It's, yes, Ray Wise is absolutely in Robocop. All the good guest stars in Voyager okay, are RoboCop yeah, he was, alumni. Yeah, he, he was, you're right. Twin Peaks, yes. I Listen, I know my RoboCop, dude. I, I, I was obviously thought of more of Leland Palmer than, than RoboCop. He's a RoboCop guy. Cop but guy. anyway, yes. Um, it, it started with an A, his, his character name, like uh, Arturus. Mm, yeah. Arturus. Yeah, that guy was great. All these people that Janeway's condemned to getting assimilated, all the times they've... This is one of the most grossest mishandling of Borg continuity possible. I mean, this this was a showstopper for me that throws this entire episode right in the fucking trash. I get her not deploying the viruses, but like her showing any fucks whatsoever about the Borg queen wantonly destroying millions of drones 
casually time after time again, like that putting legitimate pressure on Janeway, like who who wrote this again? Is it two no names? No, it's fucking Brand Braga and Joe Manowski. What the fuck? All that stuff you read before about the queen and like, how could there be a queen if the queen is one person? Uh, that 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 lack of continuity is a fucking molehill compared to this Mount Everest of what the fuck is going on right now. We do understand what's going on when Seven goes back to Matrix Zero, which is she has her perfunctory makeout scene with her uh, her dirty con hookup. Uh, whatever. Who we find out is patrolling the fucking borders of fluidic space. On the other side of the galaxy. They're never going to meet, you know? Good. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, The much better scene in Unimatrix Zero is when one of the kids meets the queen. So, yeah, the, you know, Jane, Borg Queen's like, listen, you're going to help me uh, knock this Unimatrix bullshit out. Or I'm going to keep blowing up cubes, which apparently you care about. And then Janeway's like, well, why don't you go do it yourself? You want to be a diplomat? You want a diplomat? You go into Unimatrix Zero and and see how you like it in there. Maybe that'll change your mind. And she goes in and uh, meets one of the children that we met in part one. And when she does, uh, has some interesting dialogue kind of like that conveys the 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 queen's origins like i was talking about before that would be cool if it didn't contra you know i'm not, not trying to be too harsh on it like if it didn't contradict kind of some of the established canon the idea that the queen was someone that was assimilated but for whatever reason kept her individuality and became the representative of the gestalt consciousness that that is something that the Borg evolved to have because it needed it. Like there's meat on that bone that I would love to see them have fleshed out a little bit more, um, especially in the way she relates to the kid and like talks to the kid the way that a parent would talk to the kid, like a mother or a queen would talk to one of their subjects. You know, it was interesting. This is the best scene of the episode. It's it's the only redeeming part in my mind. Um my favorite line is assimilation turns us all into friends and it calls to question again. Thankfully, uh, you know, to my knowledge, at least, you know, the, the unexplained origin of what are the Borg was the Borg, a enlightened species that got a little too crazy with cyberspace and, and installing implants and, mutated into this zombie collective was the Borg a weapon employed to go in and infest solar systems was it a way to subjugate uh, conquered foes and turn them into subservient robots it was it something that happened gradually and was a kind of corruption that set in over time sure was it intentional I mean great what ifs and and thank you God for that question do they ever answer the question no. Good. Thank you. I mean, that there needs to be someone known there. You can't fully splat book these guys out. Uh, and I think that this scene with the queen really does a great job of reminding the viewer that the Borg do not see themselves as bad guys and that they do just want to bring peace and perfection and harmony to the uh, to the universe. But they go about it in a very vicious and monstrous way because they've lost perspective. So after that, the queen 
hits Janeway with the prospect that they're going to reverse engineer the virus to immediately kill all of the drones that have the Unimatrix Zero mutation. And that is supposed to have been what was successful to convince Janeway to acquiesce to her demands and order Chakotay to uh, uh, get the Unimatrix Zero residents to submit themselves to re-assimilation. But of course, it's a uh, hours turn into days or or, uh, yeah, hours turn into days moment from Star Trek 3, the speaking in code thing. So that was something they did in it was in Star Trek Two, is Wrath of Khan, where to hide their uh, damage on Enterprise, Spock speaks in code to Kirk of that they're more crippled than they actually are, which Kirk correctly interprets through the code, which allows them to eventually beat uh, uh, Khan. Anyway, uh, what Janeway says is Unimatrix Zero can no longer exist, and Chakotay's like, "Got it, boss." And Seven's like, we can't give up. She's like, that's not what she said. She said it can't exist. We have to blow it up so she, the queen can't succeed. Come on, let's do this. <laughs> like, I understood what she was saying. Where are you at, Borg lady? And we've <laughs> like, seen it a couple on. of times. Uh, you know, this is a time-honored tradition in Star Trek is the captain is at the mercy of a, a foreign menace. And uh, read between the lines. You and I are on the same page, you know. And, and now we're going to do the thing. We're going to spring the trap. So... Uh, that was pretty cool. They <clears throat> start running, uh, you know, a, a disc format on Unimatrix Zero. They come up with this uh, this purge code. But how are they going to distribute it, Joe? Well, fortunately for them, while Tom is on the bridge, uh, a transport conduit opens and a Borg vessel approaches and they go to battle stations. But luckily for them, it is a. Uh, not a Borg vessel filled with apparently normal drones. This is a Borg vessel with the one and only General Korok, the Klingon that we have seen throughout these two episodes, who was on a sphere that apparently had enough drones that uh, were part of Unimatrix Zero. They just took the whole fucking thing over. <laughs> like He's like, yes, we are here to fight gloriously against the rest of the Borg. Like, well, that was quick. And great, thanks, welcome. <laughs> I don't know what the math works out on this, and and luckily Taryn's not around to subject me to the answer of of. I don't. The num- ha- there is not enough time on left <laughs> before the sun burns out for Taryn to explain this answer. It seems ridiculous, but okay, cool. I, 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 I the episode's done worse things to me already, so I can get on board with this. I would have loved if Korok was someone that I was supposed to know, if this was a famous someone like a reoccurring character from DS nine or someone else that, you know, die, we, we could have been right. struck to like, Oh fuck, this guy died and like have him make a triumphant return here. Like, oh, fuck. Yeah, dude. Like, great. You know, Korok is pretty Chad like through his two uh, appearances. He, he, uh, I just like the idea that he like woke, you know, up in his sphere and he's like, fuck this. And he just starts unplugging everybody like your people again. Now we're doing this. Yeah. Install a steering wheel on this bitch. I'm at the helm. (laughs) Like he's just no one else was actually in Unimatrix here. He just started unplugging them and using his Klingon manliness Mm -hmm. to like wake them back into usefulness. 
Karak's chadliness comes from the fact he doesn't have jacked up teeth and he can talk without a slur. Yeah, they they removed that from part one. It was that summer break. They're like, eh, just pull those out. No <laughs> 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 need them. <laughs> uh, you have that in the dream state, but in reality, the Borg have a really great dental plan. So um, your implant was a retainer that has really fixed your teeth and you're able to speak clearly now. Uh, so the dude shows up and says, hey, I'm on your side. Why don't we load the new virus into your main deflector dish and then you will Care Bear stare that into a another cheap Spencer's Gifts portal that we have hidden in our belly button. So uh, they start the uh, attack run on the tactical cube part two. This time they've changed the codes so the Tuva can't hack them. Mm. And uh, the combined assault of one Starfleet vessel and one spicy Klingon uh, sphere boy uh, is apparently enough to overwhelm the shields on the tactical cube long enough for the Care Bear stare to be effective and delete. Now, you've got this line between Janeway and the Borg Queen before this happens where Borg Queen's really trying to put the the, the zap on Janeway. You're going to do this, you're going to do that. And then Janeway drops a little zinger on her. I don't compromise with the Borg, which... Except when I explicitly decided to make a peace treaty with the Borg to assist them in defeating a mortal enemy themselves that I later made peace with, thus invalidating the entire reason for which I did that, allowing the Borg to continue to exist. But except for that one time, yes, no, I don't compromise with the Borg. I think I hate Janeway. <laughs> I hate the way Janeway is written. I don't hate Janeway. I think Kate Mulgrew continues to do the best work she possibly can with this character. Well, listen, I'm not saying I hate Kate Mulgrew. I'm saying I hate Janeway. <laughs> okay, all right. Janeway is portrayed like a bunch of pit bulls, and each pit bull is white, and someone is written on the side of the pit bull with a Sharpie marker. Stupid, savage, compassionate, mean, uh, dumb, coffee. <laughs> Coffee is a character trait for her. And then they threw a fucking fucking chew. They threw a chew toy. (laughs) And the dogs are just biting each other and trying to tear this fucking. And and the chew toy is the script. (laughs) And that's what you get with Catherine Janeway is just a vicious dog fight between the most ridiculous concepts possible. So uh, I don't compromise with. The Borg, zingity doo and hey, now there's a sphere attacking you. There's some crazy shit going on. Um, we got Seven of Nine, who uh, is, you know, the subject material expert. She's busy off in the Matrix playing kissy face with her boyfriend. You got Neelix riding shotgun over in tactical. Yeah. In the absence of Tuvok, the best tactical officer on Voyager is the cook. He truly is. He truly is the Steven Seagal under siege. It's his only line in the episode is when he's at the tactical station. He has like two words that he says in the whole episode. Well, hey, you know, that's more than some people. Get <laughs> that's because- why he's there. That's why he was there, by the way. Like instead of it being Ayala, that the entire re- I mean, aside from we do have some background of that. he He's like a backup tactical guy that was like. Uh, in uh, Year of Hell, he like worked a tactical or whatever. He's the backup tactical guy who also is a um, a 
a memory backup of the tactical officer because that's true has all of his knowledge actually in his brain um so uh like i get that but the real reason he was there is because that they gotta give ethan phillips chance to say something (laughs) and so he says the two words in that spot rather than some extra here's what i want to make this battle a little bit more feasible and uh also to remember what we did back in season sucks like Launch cyber warfare against the cube in its weakened state where you're like attacking its systems with viruses. I want to see these four Borg kids plugged into their alcoves with their eyes like rolling back in this rapid eye moving thing as like they're actively hacking the cube and bringing down defenses like seven of nines participation in none of this while she's more worried about kissing her boyfriend goodbye. The four super smart hardwired children prodigies completely absent from a major Borg two episode plot arc is fucking ridiculous. Like if you're going to bring these Borg elements into play, like do it the right way. And uh, one last positive thing I'll say about the episode is that when Bellata makes her reappearance, she is equipped with what may be the most powerful weapon we've ever seen on star trek ever it's not just a space pipe it's a borg space pipe (laughs) yes indeed when balana finally wakes up from the slap she got 30 minutes ago she (laughs) sees a drone at whatever station she needs to use and wields a mighty borg space pipe to render it unconscious and then affect what is ultimately i guess an emergency beam out just before the queen blows it up to try and prevent all of their escapes and uh a cool explosion effect Praxis, I believe. Yeah, it was, it was like a Praxis style explosion with a wave, and there's like the two ships get caught and they like, you know, get rocked in it. It's actually a lot of detail to it. And um, the episode wraps with uh, everyone being deborged, Tuvox kind of having a rough time, but he'll make it. Uh, and uh, Korok is uh, off to start a Borg rebellion. He's like in touch with other ships that have been seized by uh, Unimatrix Zero members. And uh, they're like, all right, well, we'll try and keep in touch with them and and see what happens. We're going to grab species 8472 and bring them back in the fight. And yeah, it's on. We're going to we're going to do this thing. Would you Uh, like to know what the end result of this plot line is? Nothing. You are correct. This is never mentioned. Ever again, except in passing in one piece of dialogue in a situation that does not matter and does not relate that anything changed in any way, shape or form. That's right. I'm brand for Voyager. We're starting season seven with a banger. (laughs) (laughs) What a trash. Um, What a waste. It's a waste. Cool. There's these cool ideas that they did have available to them. Borg Rebellion, you know, the preservation of individuality and this matrix. Seven secret life or an opportunity for Seven to have clean communications with her family or people that she cared about. A little bit maybe more detail about the organization of the Borg. What is this queen? You know, how, like, were they affected by what happened to them in First Contact? You know, the three is, people is that... involved being riddled with scars and mental baggage from what they have done, this 
traumatic fucking thing. Like, look how bad it fucked Picard up. And all three of these bounce out and they're like, yeah, I'm ready for coffee. My spine hurts. Thanks, doctor, for regrowing all of our hair within a matter of minutes after we were shaved bald and riddled with (laughs) fucking implants, eating up half my face like no big deal. Take all the terrible things that the Borg represent and just sweep it all under the rug. It's just, you know, it's 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 a crying shame because there was so much that this episode had to offer that were good ideas and it got buried by all the bad ones. Just completely buried. Where is season seven going to go from here? Like up. I am happy to say up. Do you, looking back at season sucks. I, I don't know if there's any unifying theme. I could really say we came out of that with. Uh, it really seemed like they just bumbled their way through or stumbled episode after episode. Um, with Bran off getting things ready on Enterprise and and to be clear, like I like Kenneth Bewilder, right? Mm-hmm. We call him Kenneth Bewilder because he has been responsible for the highest highs in Voyager and the most baffling not 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 necessarily lows, but baffled. That's just, just like absurd. Like just what, what the fuck? Dirty Tuvok emotion, you know grinder hookups in the alley moments you know um but i am where is this coming from i am genuinely excited to see him uh, at the helm because when bewilders on his game like it's good it's real good and let me let me give you some hope i think literally the next six episodes are all bangers in a row well that is Strong hope indeed. Speaking of which, from here we're going into season seven, episode two, Imperfection. And I see seven and nine, and I see Janeway in what looks like the Tuvok, um, I'm sorry, the Tuvik's Memorial Death Corner. Seven of nine's life is threatened when she, when her cortical implant begins to degrade. Ichab wants to help her, but his proposition is very risky. So, from a production note, this episode is super weird because apparently it was supposed to be, I think, fourth this season. And so they they showed it second. So there's some things that end up feeling out of order in this particular episode that technically inter- get introduced in the next episode, which is Drive. Mm-hmm. Not a not a deal breaker by any stretch, but kind of odd. Like this is a mistake they made in season seven. Weird, right? Like I understand you doing that at the beginning, but at the end, come on, guys. But second, this episode is a direct reference to Picard. Like Picard ripped this, like used this in the scene where Icheb showed up as an explanation of what was going on. As you recall, uh, Icheb was getting dissected by someone trying to find his cortical implant. He didn't have one. This is where that this comes from, is this episode. This is amazing. This is going to hate make you hate Picard a ton. <laughs> I don't know. It's like the, the fact that you got you had to see that awful shit before watching this. Like you're going to be like, man, this is great. But boy, oh boy, do I hate everyone involved with that episode of Picard now so much. <laughs> but this one is actually uh, fantastic. This is really, really good. And uh, I, I look forward to reviewing it with you. Well, I'm looking forward to it, too. 
All right, well, thank you to all of you who have stuck with us all the way here to our, our launch into Season 7 of Voyager. We hope we will continue to keep you entertained, and we'll see you next week when we review, when we review Perfection. <laughs>